right, now we're starting. Okay, we have. Uh, yeah, I forgot to turn off the AC, <laughs> and you can hear that. Clearly, you can see that we are not professionals no. of any kind. Absolutely not. But how are you? Good, how are you? Anything crazy happen? No, but I've been, you actually might be listening to the same podcast because I feel like we're like the same thing. But it's like a, it's a true crime podcast, but it's like mm-hmm. in re, it's like in real time. So he's like currently like producing it like weekly, Ooh. which is weird because every time I, I encounter a true crime podcast, it's always done. So I'm never like, oh, so I'm never watching it like as it goes. You didn't listen to like Up and Vanished while it was happening? No, I always listen to or it after. To Live and Die in LA. I Those never were, listened to that. <gasps> Those were like unfolding. <laughs> they were unfolding weekly and I was, I... It was so exciting. That's the I best I kind time. of love it, but I kind of hate it because then I get so like, ah, I just want to know the rest of the story. I, I like it because it feels so much more. Sometimes when you talk about true crime, it feels distant because it's just yeah. older stories or you can look it up. It feels so much more satisfying when you get to the end and you're like, because I mean, one of them, you're like they, there with they them. like solve the case. Well, I feel insane. like a lot of them are like that. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. But okay. the one that I started listening to is called Paper Towns. Have you heard of it? I think I have it saved. It's really good. I don't think I listened to it, though. Okay. It's really good. This guy is, like, fairly new with stuff like this. Like, it's not like he's been doing, like, you know, crime stuff for a long time. Mm -hmm. But it's a whole... I forgot where it was. I think it's, like, somewhere in the Midwest. I can't remember. But he talks about, like, what happened in this, like, really small town. And apparently there was, like, four girls who some of them disappeared they never found the body some of them were like found eventually but like this happened a couple years ago and no one ever like connected them all and then he found out about it and he was like how does no one see all the connections between these four girls and so he's like telling like in the beginning each each episode is like one girl and then he gets to a part where he starts like connecting them all but it's so good he took one week break and i was like dang it (laughs) but (laughs) well not ad but go no yeah we're definitely not paid for this (laughs) if anything that's even more recommendation to go listen to it if just sincere recommendation okay i have a tiktok thing whoa i got from a podcast i don't think you would be into it because you don't like um paranormal stuff no but they're called morbid they're pretty big um i love them but they were talking about a tiktok account that's called you shouldn't be looking oh gosh and it's this guy all you see is his hands it's like really eerie stuff everyone's hope is that it's all just pretend but it could not be production like there's like stuff in trash bags cuts on hands like weird but it's all very ominous like cryptic post it's just videos there's no talking there's music in some of them but when they were talking about it i went to look and all of them have been deleted so all there is is people that like had screen recorded um he went live in like a tunnel like there's all this weird stuff so is the insinuation that he's like doing something like bad and just what what they kind of said on morbid is either he's just this is just production and if so he's really good at it and Mm -hmm. kudos to him or it's something really serious because they found do something about this (laughs) i think he's been like reported i mean clearly if it's been deleted but they found bodies on tiktok like there's been weird tiktoks out there like the suitcase one yeah um but so or it's real and he deletes after each like murder oh so, i don't but like that i checked today and there's there's a new post oh and it's just the ground it's like a mushroom on the ground it's it's very cryptic weird 
Are they all like really comments know. on it? Like, are people mm-hmm. what are everybody's they saying? trying to like piece it together? And everyone's like, at this point, the comments I saw, everyone's like, I don't think this is a joke anymore. Like, this everyone kind of started watching, oh. like, haha, he, it's a production. And now people are like, mm. yeah, I feel so, like there's yeah. a lot of crazy stuff on TikTok. Yeah, and he, I mean, apparently people think he's like older from his Ooh. hands. I haven't seen the hand one because that was deleted, but he had like cuts on his hands, and people think he's like in his like 50s. I'm scared. So, yeah, that's creepy. That is creepy. My story is about an old man, but Ooh. we're going to flip a coin. So, last yeah, time so we did flip a coin when we did this. But we didn't put it on. <laughs> so we're going to flip a coin to see who's We story did it goes preemptively. First. But we like to be spontaneous because, like you said, uh, we also like to be mysterious, and I almost said your name. But <laughs> <laughs> like you said, um, we we are not professionals. We're just here to have fun nope. and tell stories. So. And also, I can't flip a coin, so I'm just kind of going to drop it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so call it in the air. Oh, yeah. Wait, we got to decide who's I'll who. call it in the air, and if I get it, I'll go first. If sure. not, you go first. Sounds okay, good. Okay, I'm going to say head. Ah! All right, you go first. Oh, I legitimately <laughs> looked at it and was like, what is that? I'm not dumb, guys. Coins. Right. <laughs> coin uh, mine is very lengthy, so just... Buckle yourself in, brace yourself. Um, you might have probably heard of this person because I feel like you know a lot of serial killers. Personally, I know them <laughs> all. <laughs> I feel like you know of like really famous ones, but yeah. okay, I so just had never heard of this guy. Have Have you ever been asked? I mean, this is I'm pretty in the true crime world, but the your favorite serial killer okay that's such a weird question but i don't think that's weird like i'm not my favorite serial killer is not because i'm like oh yeah kill them like i'm not like excited about the death i guess i just need more i need to be more objective if i'm gonna answer because there's so many different kinds so is it the one who i think had the smartest strategy yeah the one who i think was the most charismatic yeah the one who i think is was just dumb and got away with it dumb luck like there's so many different there is yeah i think the one i'm most intrigued by just i always lean into the conversation is probably blundy Mm, but i was charismatic he was he was charismatic but also was the time period um and then the Golden State Killer, just because, yeah. I mean, that's living out right now. That's Literally. that's an amazing story. But it's not him. It's the surrounding, yeah. like, Michelle McNamara, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, those type of things. It's but, almost like the, 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 if you're watching a movie about a serial killer and you're seeing, like, detectives and police trying to, like, find them. Like, I love that chase of, like, mm-hmm. their story. But that doesn't mean I love them and all that they did. Like, it's yeah. just, I love the story of how, I mean, like, they let Bundy escape. So, yeah. clearly, he was only getting away with it because... Of the time period where exactly. it was a lot easier to get away with things. So crazy. But did you do you have a favorite? I don't know if I have like a... I don't know. I haven't... I don't know. I don't think I have like a favorite favorite. Okay, come come back to us. I will, I will. Yeah. Think about it for a little There's bit. There's so many. <laughs> um, but the... I had never heard of this one. And it's actually really old. Um, it was like in the late 1800s, which is interesting mm. because like... I, I guess it was it was what you were talking about. Like, it was just a time period where it was kind of easier to get, like, by. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff in the story that police have d- did, and I'm like, how do you not <laughs> see? Like, and anyways. All right. So, the guy's name is Albert Fish. I'll show you a picture of him. Okay. That's younger him. That was, like, closer to when he got caught. Oh, my gosh. The mustache. Yeah. Just kind of lanky, skinny, 
His eyes are haunting. Yeah, he's very... Which which is normal in that time period to take pictures like that. Like, to kind of just have a stare. No, I know, but they're kind of just sunken into his face. Yeah, it's he has very big eerie. eyes, and it's very, like, in his... Yeah. Yeah. So, his name is Albert Fish, but he goes by many names. So, some of his nicknames have been Werewolf of Wisteria, The Boogeyman, The Brooklyn Vampire, and The Gray Man. So, you might have heard of him uh-huh. by his nicknames. So I feel like people don't really talk about his name. They talk about his nicknames when right. they bring him up. But his actual name wasn't Albert Fish. It was Hamilton Howard Fish. Ooh. He was born in 1870, um, and he was born in Washington, D.C. A lot of the story is based in New York City because he ends up moving there after, but he was born in Washington, D.C. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory, like family backstory, because okay. I feel like his, like, upbringing is what made him like the way that he is okay i just had the Ham- hamilton soundtrack oh, blaring gosh. in my head i'm trying to take this seriously <laughs> he <though>. wasn't popular <laughs> um okay so he lived with his mom and his dad who had like an insane age gap his dad was 75 when hit when he was born and his mom it was there was a 48 40 year age gap so his mom oh, was like in her 30s no and the dad was 75 so no 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 that kind no. of already weird but Albert was the youngest of four siblings. He did have other siblings, but they passed away before he was born. Um, it was never really reported what they had passed away with away from. A lot of the times when people died back then, especially if it was something where it was like freak accident or like mm-hmm. just little, like not little things, but like where it wasn't like a murder, like people didn't really like record it. So like there was yeah. no recording of how they passed away. And you could die from like a cold. Exactly. Back yeah. Back then when you didn't have any mm-hmm. medicine for it. So I don't know what they died of, but they did. Um, but his family had a lot of history of mental illness. So his uncle suffered from mania. His sister was diagnosed with mental affliction, which I don't know if the word mental affliction like translated to something else nowadays. Like, I don't know if that's yeah. anxiety or depression. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that kind it of changed. It also could just be she was moody. Exactly. Back like then that. is kind of like everyone. <laughs> or back she then. was a strong personality. Exactly. Hysteria. <laughs> so I don't know what, what she was, but yeah. his brother was um, admitted into a psych ward and his mother suffered from hallucinations. Um, he had three other family members that were diagnosed with mental illness. But like I said, like, I feel like if you had anything, if you woke up in a bad mood, you could be diagnosed with something like that. For real. I would already be in a psych ward (laughs) for sure with a straight jacket. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so when Albert was five, his father passed away at age 80, which makes sense because he was was old old as heck (laughs) by the time he was born. Uh, but he died with a heart attack. His mom then couldn't afford, um, she couldn't work and then she couldn't look after all the four kids after he died because he kind of had like the money to sustain them. So mm-hmm. she put the four kids into an orphanage. So while So he wasn't able to leave them any money? I don't I know. Wonder if back I don't then know what was... his job was. Like I don't know how that worked back then. Mm, that's so sad. I probably should have done some more research. No, no, no. I but I do think that after that... about eight pages I decided <laughs> maybe I should have. I feel like in that time that probably happened a lot where if the yeah. man died, the wife was just left. It with could nothing. have also been too where like they were it didn't say they weren't like rich, but they weren't poor, but I feel like back then it was just like you made your daily income and then that would sustain you for the day and like you would just work every day and that would yeah, sustain you for the day. There so there probably wasn't like savings or like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So once he died, it's like, oh, he didn't, no one's working, so no money. But when you're 40 whatever years older, you have to think about that. 
Or maybe I'm you don't. Crazy. I guess you don't have to. But I that's have no that. idea. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. <laughs> so he, um, when he went to the orphanage, he was abused, mm-hmm. not from the kids, but from staff members. Um, they would, like, emotionally abuse them and stuff. He wasn't ever abused sexually, it doesn't say, but he would get hit a lot. But back mm-hmm. then, that was a very normal thing. Like, yeah. in schools and orphanages, like, if you misbehaved, you would get spankings and stuff. Yeah. So that wasn't, like, out of the ordinary. But after some time of being hit, because he would just not um, behave well, he started realizing that... Wait, before... Let me preface this with... Uh, the story is about kids... So, okay. like, that was kind of his target. And so just a uh, trigger, trigger warning, <laughs> if that you don't feel comfortable with that, yeah. uh, don't listen to this. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to say, like, crazy details because yeah. I don't want to know that. Um, but after realizing he was getting punished a lot, he started seeking pleasure in it. And so he just kept misbehaving more so that he could hit, get hit more oh, and that like, is... find pleasure in it. Wow. At a very, like, at six or seven years old. Um, the kids though all started making fun of him because I guess a lot of the staff members were men and so they were like calling him homophobic things because he kept you could visibly see that he was seeking pleasure out of it Um, so because of that Albert really started I feel like this is where he really started to just hate people because he was like I don't know what's going on and then like it them getting like made the fun of the cards are kind of stacked against him I'm not justifying whatever no comes, but, but like once that's you, rough. It's, it's interesting to see how like a lot of the circulars are brought up and what they're going through mm-hmm. because then you kind of it's not like you you're like oh that makes sense why you murdered 50 people but it's kind of like a that's a traumatizing it like, adds up exactly and it's okay to say everything there are people that experience those things and don't do horrible things yeah but there's also a side of it where it's, I think it comforts the person researching to know, okay, this wasn't just out of a kind person that out of nowhere did these things. There is a backstory that, yeah. okay, this adds up and makes sense why they act exactly. Um, but yeah, that's when he just started hating people and mm-hmm. tried to, to, he tried like hitting the kids while they made fun of him and he like gained like. Not pleasure, but he was, like, not sexual pleasure, but he got, got happy when he, like, hit the other kids because they made fun of him. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, as a kid, if someone makes fun of you and you punch him in the face, it's kind of like, you deserve that. You're standing but, up for yourself. Yeah. Um, okay, so after some time in the orphanage, his mom was finally able to, like, get a steady job, and so she decided to take them out of the orphanage. Albert was nine, so he was there for five years. No, four years, four years. Um, when he went back home, things were a little bit rocky. He didn't really get along with his siblings and his mom. He was a frequent bedwetter, so he was constantly getting made fun of by his siblings. Sign. Mm-hmm. And he would run away from home a lot. Um, Albert started uh, seeking out sexual satisfaction by watching boys at the pool changing rooms. So when he would go to the pool with his family, he would always just sneak into the mm-hmm. room and watch people. That seems so young to be experiencing all of these things that you don't fully understand. Yeah. Because he, I feel like he probably was exposed. I mean, I know there's no evidence of any sexual abuse, but yeah, he could have so been. heightened for him. Well, probably... and later in the story, as he gets older, it's very, and you'll notice it, but it's very easy for him as a grown man to like mess with little boys. And so I can't imagine him as a little boy. It was probably super easy for people to do that to him. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it kind of happened and people just didn't like, just a thing. Like it was just like, well, and it wasn't, you weren't able to talk about it. Exactly. So. Um, so when he was 12 years old, he began a relationship with another 12 year old boy. And this is where it starts getting weird. I feel like this boy was probably like the 
catalyst to his weirdness but the boy was super strange and he showed albert strange fetishes and said that it was out of love and they would consume each other's urine and feces like for sexual pleasure super weird that's crazy yep and they were 12 years old um a couple of these things are just like little things that like just kind of like you said like adds up so yeah when he was 15 years old he fell from a tree while playing outside he got a serious concussion, which led to hear serious headaches for the rest of his life. He would get dizzy spells, mm. and he was left with a serious stutter. So I, I'm not surprised that, like, in your brain, it's brain kind of messed up yeah. after all that. Um, when he turned 20, he moved to New York City with his mom. At this point, he was the youngest, so all his siblings had already moved out. So it was just him and his mom. Mm. Um, in New York City, he was shown male prostitution, and so he would do that for money. But then while he started doing that, he realized that it was an easy gateway to be able to molest, like, younger boys. Mm-hmm. At this point, it wasn't, like, kids. It was, like, teenagers and, like, young adults kind okay. of thing. Not, like, super, super, like kids. Um, he also tried satisfying his sexual urges in other ways. And so back then, I mean, I, I think they still have this now. But in the paper, you could, like, pay for a small space. And it would be, mm-hmm. like, looking for a job or, like trying to sell this or trying to find a couch or just random things like that. And anytime he saw that, that was like a random person and it was a woman, which is surprising because up until now, all those things have been with like men and boys. But if they were women, he would send them letters with just very obscene sexual things. And it's weird because like, if you're sending a letter to someone, it's not like you're like seeing their reaction or like, you know what I mean? It's probably all just in his imagination. He's imagining their response. It's fun for him to kind of come up with his own yeah like reaction and kind say oh like i bet they're gonna be like yeah it's a, it's a delayed gratification thing where it's like oh i bet this will be the response i'm just yeah. gonna kind of drop this in their lap and see exactly what which you'll see that is very like common for mm-hmm. him to do um when he was 20 years old he started a job as a painter and a handyman around that time his mother arranged for him to marry a 19 year old girl so 10 year gap not as bad as his parents but um i guess arranged marriages were obviously still a thing they ended up having six children together and during the marriage he had several affairs with only like many men it was only Mm -hmm. men and his wife's like kind of knew it was happening because he was very obvious about it like he would go out in public with other men and like have dinner with them Mm -hmm. or like it was very obvious but i think at that point like as a woman you're just kind of like (laughs) she can't do anything yeah (laughs) especially with six kids like there's only so much you can do oh that's awful um during these affairs, one of them, he went on a date with a man to a wax museum, and one of the pieces of art was male genitalia, and like ever since then, he was just infatuated with that, and so he started seeking, um, specifically, he was specifically intrigued in the fact that it was male genitalia, but it wasn't attached to a body. It was just like by itself. Oh, okay. I um, see. <laughs> I see, like, where, I we're see going. where we're going. <laughs> um, because of this, he started seeking pleasure in himself by inserting needles into his genitalia and later in like after he his death um they like biopsied his body or whatever and they found 29 needles in it because he would just leave it in there oh yeah he's crazy um at age 33 albert was arrested for embezzlement when he was released from prison a couple years later, his children noticed a change in his behavior. He said he began hearing voices and they were from God. He believed he was the second no. coming of Christ. No. And that his mission was to castrate boys. So that's when it started getting, like, mentally, I feel like. Which, again, not surprising if his family had, like, you know, mental illness in their family. But 
He began self-harming. That started like a long life of Mm self-harming. And he believed it was like sacrifice for his sins that he had to do that. Uh, But he was then diagnosed with religious mania from a psychiatrist. Which is crazy that that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because so many people would blame God for, oh, yeah. I'm called to do this or whatever. But that's crazy that that was so uh-huh. prevalent in the time. Yeah. I Yeah, it's crazy. But that's actually still very um, – I, I read a book a couple months ago about this girl who got kidnapped and her captor was like – fully believing he was the second coming of Christ and like would do crazy things saying that like oh God told me so yeah I mean I it manifests itself that way but I I just think they're looking for someone to blame for their crazy oh for sure and it's somebody that like you can't you know physically talk to it's not like oh my friend told me to do this it's like oh God told me to do this there's no way for you to tell me that's not it's it's their something in their brain is messed up and the only logical conclusion they can come to is this must be God exactly like the voices that they're hearing it's crazy um, okay, so when he was 40 years old, this is kind of when the attacking started and, like, just going after people. Um, he began abusing a young mental handicapped boy because he oh. realized that the boy would be vulnerable, and so he would kind oh of have gosh. his way. Um, his name was Thomas Bedden, and he kept Thomas... He led Thomas into a cabin with, like, candy and stuff. Oh. Raisins, specifically, which is really random. Um, and he kept Thomas there for two weeks, abusing him, obviously. he You can tell by his past, he likes to, like, inflict pain and seeks pleasure from that. So he abused him sexually and, like, harmed him was physically. Was his family looking for him? He was, um, which you'll see in all the people that he goes after. Like, a lot, and other than one family, everyone, it was kind of just, like it's not like they didn't care i obviously don't like wasn't there i don't know how the family reacted but like there wasn't a lot of police involvement it was just really weird but it goes back to like they didn't really talk about it like so Mm -hmm. when what happened with thomas he kept him for two weeks his original plan was to murder him but then he realized it was summer and that if he had murdered him and like hid the body somewhere he would like smell of when he decomposed rather Mm -hmm. than being in the winter and so he castrated him he gave him ten dollars and then just said okay you can leave now and thomas led a normal life and never went to the police like was never questioned parents just thought he like ran away like thought he got lost because he was handicapped i forget the name of the case and what the family's name was but there was a family whose daughter was kidnapped and they know who had her there's a family friend a man and she was a young girl and they didn't want negative negative attention from the police or whatever so they didn't report it and they were just like please bring her home because there's so you're more worried about being embarrassed in that time that's insane than your child or family exactly it also like i'm not saying anything about this family but back then if a child was handicapped yeah a lot of families didn't really care about them like it was kind of something where it's like you're kind of a burden and so it could be that i don't know i think in general kids back then and for a long time kids were a burden and it was yeah you know like sit there and be quiet and go play outside all day and if you don't return by a certain time oh you probably just yeah it wasn't the same you know latchkey kids exactly it wasn't the same amount of which it like happens a lot it's just crazy this time period um, but, but yeah, he led a normal life after that. 
Um, after the whole Thomas situation happened, his wife left him for another man. She didn't know about Thomas, apparently, but she just knew about his affairs, obviously, and she ended up falling with this guy and was like, you know what, I'm leaving, which is actually surprising for... Well, but she probably needed somewhere else to go if she was going to leave him. Yeah. So thank goodness she found someone else and was able to be like, okay, I'm going to go here. Because on her own, I mean, I don't know much about divorce in that time, but I would assume if you're on your own... It's, it's not, not going to be good. Well, just women in general, mm-hmm. if you don't have a man yeah, so bread on the table, then it's kind of yeah. Um, the second part is, is that, so one afternoon when Aubrey came home, she was gone by herself, left all the six kids, and just took everything of value that they had. So she left him, Albert, with all the six kids and just kind of disappeared. Um, during this time, like while he was taking care of all the six kids... The kids started noticing, like, weird things that he did, like he, which, again, came back to, like, God telling him to. But he would wrap himself up into a carpet and just kind of stay there for days and say the apostles told him to do it. Um, but one of the weird things that he did was he said that the voices in his head told him to attempt cannibalism. And so he began eating raw meat from animals, not from humans. He even tried feeding them to his kids, and the kids were like, Ugh. no, we're not doing that. But that's where the nickname Werewolf of Wisteria came from. Okay. And, like, vampire, because he would just like to do that. Um, He never abused his kids, surprisingly, but he did, like, ask them to physically harm him, which in turn gave him pleasure. But, like, it was never communicated, like, do this so that Mm -hmm. I can feel pleasure. It was just, like... So, I mean, there's a level of damage you're doing to your kids emotionally (laughs) abusive when you're asking them to do that to their parent oh yeah but he would they're not understanding it said he would make it like a game so like they would sit in the living room and he'd be like guess how many finger numbers i have behind my back and then if they got it right they would like hit him with something with like nails like that times. when you're conditioning your kids that yeah when you're conditioning your kids that violence is something to get pleasure out of and it's a game that that is damaging to their psychology i mean oh my gosh it's crazy um he also during that time like while he was doing that with his kids he would go just go to brothels and pay for prostitutes and he would always pay for prostitutes to just harm him not like have sex with them Mm -hmm. um at age 50 he began like his small attacks so he would just like be in the city and if it was super crowded he would just like stab somebody in the middle of the street and then walk away and like no never got caught like he did this to over like 20 men it was always so he got a thrill out of potentially being caught because he wanted to be yep um at age 54 he was walking down a country lane when he noticed a little girl playing in the fields Mm -hmm. her name was beatrice keel and she was eight years old beatrice i know her name is pretty she she was on her parents property and she was just playing outside and Albert approached her and asked her if he if she could help him pick rhubarb. She was kind of like iffy about it, so he offered her like a dollar, and she was like, "Sure." Um, they started walking away, but then Beatrice's mother noticed noticed that was she was just walking away with a random man, and so she ran out and like kicked him out, and said like, "Don't come back here." Just the norm stuff. But he came back the same night and hid in their barn, and Beatrice's mother found him again, and like her husband came now and like beat him up like kicked him out and so he left but like he reported just really wanted, didn't report it, <laughs> report it. <laughs> it's crazy um right after this albert lured two boys into his home one evening so the weird thing is his name was cyril one of the boys and mm-hmm. he was with his friend he apparently albert knew cyril because he had already been abusing him for like multiple months but 
again, Cyril never told anybody. Uh, he would yeah. just like go into mm-hmm. the house and be like, well, this is happening. And so he would, he knew that if he came and did whatever he wanted to do, then he could leave and obviously not die. So Cyril was kind of used to this. And so one evening he invited both Cyril and his friend into the home. And while Albert was making sandwiches, apparently for the boys in the kitchen, um, the boys was kind of just like chilling, I guess. And they found, <laughs> this is so, that was so stupid. So before I say the next part, Albert came up with, uh, something that he called implements of hell and basically it was three items that he was going to be using to harm people it was um harm people and like mutilate them so this is mm-hmm. kind of when he actually wants to, to do what he wanted to do before where he said god told him to castrate boys mm-hmm. um he had a meat cleaver a small oh. handsaw and a butcher's knife and he hid it in his room uh, assuming planning that he was going to be using it on the boys and the boys found it and just ran out they never reported it never said anything just literally I ran mean, out they're kids though yeah i don't fault them for that exactly um four days later right after this eight-year-old francis mcdonald was reported missing he was playing with his friends all day and when the police asked his friends like what happened where did he go they said that they saw him walk away with an old gray-haired man um francis's mom also saw the man earlier just kind of like walking around them like not talking to the boys but just kind of roaming and just kind of being weird Mm -hmm. but she never did anything um a couple days later a couple of boy scouts found francis's dead body in the woods he was severely mutilated and strangled by his own suspenders um this was actually one of the biggest cases in staten island and Francis's dad was a police officer, not in Staten Island, but he asked to be moved to Staten Island so he can continue the case. Oh, but my they gosh. told him that he couldn't because he was like biased. And so like they just never found anything. Again, police just didn't do anything about Imagine this. Imagine though being a police officer and being like, No, I know what you need to do, but they won't but let But they you. literally won't let you. Okay. It's so freaking crazy. But he was never like suspected. Up until this point, everything he's done, like never once suspected by police. And multiple people have seen his face. It's not like he's trying to hide. So the people around are feeling weird about him, but police are kind of ignoring it. Exactly. Very weird. Um, Three years later, four-year-old Billy Gaffney went missing in the halls of his apartment building. So he was playing with his neighbors, apparently, in the hallway. So moral of the story, don't let your kids play (laughs) out of your eyesight at all, ever in life. No, no, not even to this day. No. Um, so Billy was playing with his neighbors in the hallway and his neighbors were, it was, a, they were siblings and one of them was three and the other one was 11. At some point, the 11 year old went inside one of the apartments, leaving the three year old and a four year old now alone in the hallway, no. toddlers in the hallway. Oh. But when the 11 year old came back, only the three year old was there and Billy was gone. And when the parents asked the three year old where Billy went, he responded saying the boogeyman took him. Oh. Which I'm assuming that's just what Albert, like, said. Um, or maybe that's just... Maybe he had heard stories about the boogeyman, and that's just what he put together. Because he was scary, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Billy's body was never found, but he never appeared. It was reported that Albert had eaten Billy's body years later. Oh like, when Albert got caught, he confessed to just eating Billy, and that's why his uh, body was never found. Yep. <laughs> One year later, Albert saw an announcement in the papers from a teenage boy named Edward Boyd, and he was looking for work. Edward wanted any job, so he was kind of just desperate because he wanted to like make money to help his family. Mm-hmm. Um, Albert was 50 years old, and so he sent a, telegra- a telegram to Edward's family saying that Edward could come into his house and help him like do work in the house and all that stuff. 
obviously that's not what he had intended for him. Right. But he went to Edward's family house and introduced himself and just kind of went to hang out with them so he could get to know them. Um, and probably so Edward's family could get to know like who Edward was going to be spending time mm-hmm. with. Um, Ed, Edward was super excited and it was planned that Edward would stay a couple of days at Al- Albert's house since it was like far and that Albert would drive him back on the weekend. No. So like if it was a Tuesday, he'd be like, okay, well, he'll stay with me Wednesday through Friday and then I'll drop him off back on the weekend. Um, the day came when Albert was going to pick Edward up and when he arrived, Edward's little sister, Grace, opened the door. Albert's plan changed at that point and he wanted Grace instead. She was 10 years old. Aww. Um, he stayed for dinner, Albert stayed for dinner, and then told the family last minute that his plans had changed. And before Edward, before he picked up Edward to take to his house, he had his niece's 10-year-old birthday party to go to. And as he was about to leave the door, he said, hey, does Grace want to come to the birthday party? Like, there's going to be a whole bunch of girls there, and I'm sure she'll have fun, and I'll just drop her off at 9 p.m., and then I can pick up Edward at that time. And Grace's family was actually really hesitant, but she was like begging because she really wanted to go to this birthday party. It she is didn't so have that hard to not blame. Like, <laughs> I don't want to blame parents. It's great. And but I back know... then, it was a lot more like just lackadaisical about it. It was like, no, this doesn't happen. It's like, you so know? infuriating, though. It like, is. You're a child, you're letting go with a person. You just, I mean, even the son letting him go stay with him, that's kind of weird to me. Yes. But, but it was just a normal thing. I mean,. Go with them. Be like, all right, we'll come to you. If it's crazy. It's so... If a, a lot of um, Albert was like, people saw him as just like the old sweet grandpa kind of thing. And so they just assumed like, that would never happen. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was just kind of a thing, which is crazy, but I don't it's trust so anyone. crazy. No. So that's what the plan was. They ended up letting Grace do it. And he said, I'll be back by 9 p.m. No. Nope. Um, 9 p.m. came. They didn't come back, obviously. The next morning, um, oh, I forgot to say this. My bad. Uh, when he first met the family, he introduced himself as Frank Howard. So that's who they knew him by, okay. Frank. Um, so the next morning, they didn't show up, obviously, and there was no sign of Frank. The mom, the mom obviously became hysterical and went to the police and reported her as missing. The police officer looked into it but couldn't find any Frank Howard in the system. So the family was able to give the police a detailed description because he obviously like hung out with them and like stayed a long period of time, but it didn't really do much because they couldn't like track that down. You also have to consider too, like there's no like TV news, like there's no thing where you can like show to civilians and be like, Hey, watch out for this man. Mm -hmm. Um, Police was able to track down his original telegram to Edward. Like when he first said like, Hey, he can come stay at my house. They were able to track that down to East Harlem, but they couldn't really, like, detail more into that. They just knew that it was coming from East Harlem in New York. Um, During this time, another man was arrested, and they thought it was him. He even stayed in jail for three months until they realized it wasn't him. Uh, Apparently, this man had a messy marriage, and the wife heard about Frank (laughs) and said that it was her husband because she just wanted to get rid of him. Because she's messy. Because she just wanted to get rid of him. (laughs) That's so crazy. That is. That oh, is. my gosh. But she eventually, I guess, confessed and was like, never mind, not Frank, because she felt bad. And so he left. She should feel bad because that's taking <laughs> their attention off of finding him because they think they have him. It's so crazy. Oh, man. Um, Grace's family was running out of hope until one day Albert Fish himself wrote a letter to the family. In oh. the letter, he said he took Grace to this abandoned farmhouse 
and I won't tell you. I actually didn't. Apparently, this letter is like you can find it and you can oh, like yeah. read it. But I just personally decided I did not want to do that. Yeah. So, but the letter apparently, because um, obviously the police got the letter, but the letter apparently like detail by detail was an explanation to the parents of what he did to Grace. Oh my god. Um, and at the end of the letter, he ends up telling the family that he went home with Grace's dead body, cooked her up, and ate her for the next nine days. So, yep. Yeah, I did not want to see that letter. No. Um, the police was able to confirm, though, that the handwriting from that letter matched his first telegram. So they knew that at least that it was the same person. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where the police finally get their freaking crap together and put two and two together. But the letter didn't have, like, anything that they can go off of. But they noticed that the envelope... Say envelope or envelope? I, okay, I said envelope <laughs> my entire life. And then... The person who I work for says envelope. <laughs> so I just, I was so used to them like being like envelope, I mean envelope. And so I just changed because of that. But I grew up <laughs> saying envelope. envelope. Me too. So now I say envelope just instinctually. I think it's one of those things that it just doesn't really matter. It like doesn't, that. but I just, I was tired of correcting myself because <laughs> I wanted to say it the way they said it. And so, yeah, now I say envelope instinctually. <laughs> Well, the envelope slash envelope that he that the letter was in, they realized was a specific company, not like a post office. It was like a specific company's like letterhead almost on an envelope. Um, And they were able to track down where that was. When they got there, they asked like the employees, hey, is this something that you guys give out? Like, does everybody have access to this? And they said, it's only the people that work here. Um, They said that they remembered one of them said that they remembered seeing the janitor had taken some. And another person said, I think he took some, but he also said that he was moving homes. And so he's like in between two homes right now. So I don't know where you find him. They basically said that. Um, The police decided to, they got both of the addresses. And so the police decided to go to one of the homes. He still had things there, but apparently that was his old place. Like that's the place that he was leaving. And so he wasn't done moving. He still had like place, like stuff there apparently. Mm. They, for some reason, I guess because they didn't have a warrant. I don't know how it worked back there where it's like they, I guess they don't have enough evidence to get a warrant. So they decided to just um, keep the apartment in surveillance and just like stand outside the apartment and just see who would come in and question them. Um, And so they did this for a month. They ended up talking to, which is funny because they called her a landlady, but I guess nowadays you would just call a woman or a man a landlord but Mm -hmm. they called her a landlady they talked to her and they said hey do you know who lives in this apartment Um, do you know someone named Frank Howard because at this point Grace's family still thinks it's Frank Howard and so she's like no but they ended up telling her the description of Albert and she said for sure that's him like that's Albert Fish and so at this point they have his real name at least okay um Police had the... Oh, I never told you this. This is a really random detail. But his name was Hamilton, but he ended up changing it to Albert. (laughs) Alexander? No. He ended up changing it to Albert because kids at the orphanage started calling him Ham and Eggs. Because Hamilton, Ham. And so he changed it to Albert. And the name Albert he got from one of his siblings that had passed away before. So it was kind of like a homage to them or whatever. Homage to them. So that's why he was named Albert. I don't know how I missed that, but that's just a random detail. Oh um, 
so now they have his real name. They sur- kept the apartment under surveillance for a month, but there was no sign of him. Eventually, they left because I guess they just got tired. <laughs> yeah, better things to do. No big deal. And they told the landlord, the lady, that if she saw anything weird or if she saw him, to call them. They were kind of giving up until four months later, um, she called them and said that he had arrived, but that he was very, like, frantic and, like, trying to get all his stuff together. And the cops told her to stall him. So she, like, offered him coffee. Can you do our job for us, please? <laughs> Literally. She offered him coffee, and she kind of just was talking him, talking to him until the police arrived. Uh, a detective finally arised, arrived, and when he did, he asked him if he was Albert Fish. He got, like, super defensive. He took a blade out and tried to, like, harm them. Um, but the detective was able to restrain him and finally arrested him. Um, when he got to the police station, Albert admitted to the murder of Grace Boyd, he also, con- which was the um, the girl. The girl. Mm-hmm. He also confessed to the murder of Francis McDonald and Billy Gaffney. He told the police how he tortured them and performed cannibalism. Oh. He told them of the multiple small attacks that he did in the in the city where he would just stab people. Um, he also said that he had a child in every state, which would mean he murdered over fifty children. Like he had murdered specifically murdered somebody in like every state, I guess, at some point. Um, the police tried tracking down like each of them, but he said that ju- they said there just wasn't enough evidence to like attach that. Yeah, and they're using but, resources and they're trying to figure it out. And unless exactly. he specifically says this name and this exactly. place, but it also could have all been a lie. Like he could have just been saying that, right? So yeah, they just, they I mean, there's several. Um, I know Bundy said that there was way more that he didn't talk about, mm-hmm. which that's why I've always been so conflicted about the death penalty because. They put him to death, but there could have been more families that got peace yeah. by finding out information. And he wanted to talk. For sure. But then, so I'm like, can you just let him rot in prison and get information Literally, from that's more of a suffering. So that so that those families, because I believe him. When get he a says conclusion. I believe Bundy. For sure. I believe most serial killers if they say there's more. Because to them, it's another number. Like, and they then, don't care. Um, I might talk about him at some point. Have you heard of Israel Keys? No. That's a, that's a, he's a modern day serial killer. And he had more, and he they they knew he had more, but he ended up committing suicide. So I mean, which also I don't know how that stuff happens if you're being watched. But um, oh, I'll tell you how it happens because he also <laughs> did stupid stuff in jail too. Ah, um, well, but this was back then though, so it's kind of like this is in like nineteen <laughs> yeah. the early nineteen hundreds, so yeah. they weren't really probably that much. Um, so he was only charged for three murders officially, the three that he specifically said their name because they obviously couldn't tie down to anything. Um, the entire trial, he was completely emotionless. Makes sense. And throughout his custody in jail, he would continue self-harming. He would, if they ate chicken, like for dinner, he would save the bones and then he would like harm himself that way. Which I'm assuming nowadays they probably don't do chicken with bones <laughs> in jail. Well, yeah, that could be a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly what it would do. He would just sharpen Literally, it. Literally, yeah. Um, trial lasted 10 days, and Albert, Albert pleaded non-guilty for a reason of insanity. But on March 11, 1935, he was 65 years old, and he was found guilty of all three murders and sentenced, sentenced to death through electric chair. After his death, his attorney gave... Oh, here's him as he gets arrested. He's so frail. Yeah. Which, that's the other thing, too. A lot of people, uh, police said that they didn't suspect him. I tried to shorten the story as much as, not shorten no, it, but I get like, what you're not saying. put all the tiny details. But a lot of the police, like, was like, when, somebody, when someone said, like, oh, I saw this man and he was really weird or whatever like that, 
police would then like randomly see him or somebody would see him and be like he couldn't do that like he's not like he's old and he's like frail like he couldn't do that but that was just another added but you're talking about a grown man against children so absolutely he could do that it's crazy dude that's insane Um, don't electrocute him get information out of him uh, yeah it's crazy but I guess that was common back then I know Um, I mean it still happens the final thing about the story after his death his attorney gave an interview with the press saying that Albert had given his final statement before he passed away and when the press asked him to read it he said it was the most vile obscene and horrendous thing he had ever heard or read and he promised never let anyone read it good don't give him it away yeah don't We're just smart. Also, don't give him that. Don't because that's his... exactly what he wanted. He wants the last, like, punch before he... He wants to be, like, a legend. Exactly. And absolutely, we're talking about him, but his final words don't matter. So. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yep, that's Albert Fish. Oh, my gosh. What a crazy... What a dark story. I know. It's one of those stories that I don't like. Um, obviously, I, I didn't really look into the details mm-hmm. with the kids because it's just hard. But just the... Th- I feel like him specifically, like, there's a lot of serial killers and stuff, but, like, the whole cannibalism thing was just so insane to me. I was yeah. like, that is just, like, a whole nother level of crazy. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a lesson to people to not just tr- trust old men because, oh, they're mm-hmm. old and frail. Exactly. But I am glad that this story does prove, obviously, like, uh, like our criminal justice system or whatever is not perfect, but it has definitely been better from this. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, oh gosh, <laughs> that was a good transition. So, um, I'm just gonna jump right in. Yeah, I do it. So, in May of 2016, you have a title for your story. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> so the title She's is bougie. The, the plot thickens. Yeah, you can't make a title and not say it. I know. It's it's genuinely for myself because I get exactly. Really, I get way too into this. You it's should, and you should just say it. Okay. Well, the plot thickens. Uh, in May of 2016, there was a woman Whoa. named Angela Diaz. So yes, very current situation. I think I know happening this. Here. I love, oh yay. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll tell it in a new way that you yes, will. Yes, yes, I'm excited. I know, I'm excited. Um, but also, we have an, a story from the 1800s. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Imagine if we both had the same story. Okay. <laughs> I, I legitimately, as I was researching stories, like that one came across and I spent like a good 30 minutes like like kind oh of looking gosh. into it too. Okay, so you have to pretend that would be, be really funny. By my plot. No, I will because I didn't go into like any details. Okay, so a woman named Angela Diaz. She was 31, although some reports say 32, which is my biggest frustration with researching. <laughs> like, that's not my job. If that's your job, yep. how hard is it to get her age right? A hundred percent. Even in the story that I was doing, like. Things didn't match up. Like the, when he when he had murdered someone at this time, it didn't match up with another time. And I was like, right. And then you're like, who do how I can trust? you? Yeah. Um, so she was pregnant and newly married to a man named Ian Diaz. They had built a life in Anaheim, California. This picturesque scene shifted though one summer day when she started to receive what would be a slew of outlandish and hateful emails. Here's what some of them said. Dun dun. <laughs> I hope you are scared to death tomorrow. Be prepared. Don't sleep. This is all on May 31st mm-hmm. of 2016. We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. I hope to God you burn for what you have done to us. 
on June 1st, she got this message. You might be beautiful, you might be the one he married, but you are still a sinner and must be punished. I will make sure you are reminded of your place by force. On June 2nd, she got... Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm, when I researched this, I didn't go into the details. Oh. So the fact that that's that... <laughs> oh god. There's so many more too. These are the ones that I felt comfortable yeah, reading. Yeah, of course. Um, June 2nd. I know you are leaving work. I watch as you walk. Let's play a game. So this continued week after week, sleepless night after sleepless night. These emails included graphic and abusive images that are extremely disturbing. And if you want to research what those are, you can. I didn't want to go into detail, but it was like pictures attached to the emails that were really disturbing. Um, In another incident, someone had posted on Craigslist with Angela's home address seeking someone to play out a fantasy. So they were presumably pretending to be Angela soliciting this. Mm, Like, I want this to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Where they would be attacked while walking. Like, she would... She's asking someone to attack Attack her while she's walking her dog. So, the most striking part of these messages and posts came... They came from different emails. But it was the same person. Michelle Hadley, who was Ian Diaz's ex-fiancee. So their relationship had not ended on the best of terms, uh, and Angela didn't know what to do or where to go. So she, of course, reported all these instances and ended up having to call 911, saying that she had been attacked in her garage, and she was found crying, and her shirt had been ripped. It was not a good situation, Um, and it was escalating at this point. So moving over to Ontario, California, Michelle Hadley was a... Yeah, California. Yeah, I know. At first, I was like, Canada? (laughs) Um, She was arriving home from a date, and what I can only imagine was butterflies and lived out lyrics of Taylor Swift's song, (laughs) Enchanted, quickly soured when she noticed the police officers waiting for her. Um, They presented her with a warrant to search her phone, tablet, and laptop. Soon after this, she was in handcuffs in the back of a police car. Her mind was racing with all that had transpired in the last few months. She had gotten several emails about accounts she had not set up. She reported these instances, but never heard back. Interesting. Um, So she just needed to prove it at this point. But the only problem was law enforcement officers had apprehended all of her technology. And she would never get these items back. She never received them back from law enforcement. So when questioned, Michelle consistently said she had been set up. She didn't know why someone would do this to her. And while she was in jail, her family pursued uh, evidence to prove her innocence. So they had records proving that Michelle had been in class and even was hospitalized mm. briefly when she was supposed to be stalking Angela. So Yeah, clearly, that's like a legitimate like alibi. <laughs> yeah. She remained in jail. After that's crazy. 88 days in jail, Michelle was finally released and the charges against her were just dropped. But no... No reason. I'm sorry, no... Uh, but why, were, why did they let her out? She would later find out the only reason was because Ian Diaz had come forward to report that his wife, Angela Diaz, had been the one sending the messages to herself. Literally psychopath. So, pausing in the story, if he had not come forward... She would have just run in She would have jail. been charged. And But this is also... Law enforcement that has technology to look into these yeah. incidents. There's a track record on her devices of her saying, hey, I feel like I'm being hacked. I'm getting emails about reporting But it's all things. through technology, which anything could be, like, traced. Like, so you if, can see where they created the account. If you tried it all, you would be able to figure this out. Yes. So, not but Also, only- what's wrong with her husband? Because you're just nonchalantly <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just kidding. It was my wife. Yeah. So, 
apparently, according to him, he found out she was faking her pregnancy, and that led to him finding out other lies about her, mm. and that's why he came forward. So she was responsible for the messages, and she was charged with kidnapping, perjury, grand theft, false imprisonment, as well as 22 counts of misdemeanor, falsely reporting a crime. That's insane. She pleaded not guilty. She was going to try to fight it. And she was sentenced to five years in prison. So some, including Michelle... So she's almost out. Mm-hmm. You said this was 2016? 2016, but this didn't come... I don't oh, think she was charged was until at least 17. So she probably has about two years left. Yes, but that's terrifying. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So some, including Michelle, don't think Ian is innocent, an innocent bystander. I situation. agree. Like, she has her own experiences with him, um, where she talks about him being incredibly abusive. Um, a lot of my information came from a BuzzFeed article, mm-hmm. which... You can yeah. You can debate whether that's reliable, but the reason why I really dug into this article is because Michelle specifically was interviewed for the article. Oh, got so it. she was able to give a voice. Yeah. I mean, she's the victim in this and she was able to say, I don't think mm-hmm. Ian is Well, she you know, knows him, innocent. that's his ex like I don't think Ian's innocent and I think that he felt like they might find him out. She thinks he was the mastermind of it all, basically. Whoa, that's Which a... you can come up with Did your own she thing. say why they broke up? Yeah, so the article really goes into it a lot. I was worried about time. But um, he got super... He was super nice in the beginning, great guy, whatever. And then he got very controlling, very, you know... um, I don't know if there was ever physical abuse, but just very domineering. And she was like, "Uh, no. Well, and at this point, like, if that's his ex-fiancee and he had nothing... Like, he doesn't like her anymore, why would his now new... Were they girlfriend? Was it his girlfriend or was Angela his girlfriend or wife? I think. Well, they have the same last name. Yeah, they got married. So it's his wife. Mm -hmm. So if he's so uninterested in his ex, why would she? It doesn't make sense. Like, why would she care to like come after her? It's almost like he was just hated her so much that he was like, let me use my wife to attack her. Yeah, I. She seems pretty crazy too. I think they're they both were just in it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So although she's now free, Michelle's life will never be the same. She lost her job. She lost her apartment. Her possessions that the police apprehended, she never got them back. Um, And her reputation is forever impacted by this. So she's been stood up on dates because they Googled her and they didn't read the fine print. Because you have to really go into the... Like her name's attached to this stalking situation. And people are like, no, no, no. Like Craigslist, all this stuff. And so people... Don't take the time. It's hard enough to date in this of world. Of course. Um, so man. She has, I know for real, <laughs> now she has a really hard time trusting people. Um, but one amazing thing that came out of this was while she was in jail, Michelle grew closer to her cellmate and ended up paying for her cellmate to have a lawyer and help in her case because she recognized that investigations are not always cut and dry mm-hmm. and the police aren't always motivated to really, really like yeah. take a magnifying glass to your case and say, okay, is this what it seems? Yeah. So had Ian not come forward with information, um, she may have been charged and sitting in jail right now. That's terrifying. Um, so I wanted to end with a quote from Michelle and it's very timely considering that we're talking about <laughs> bad investigations, yeah. but... This is her quote. It says, this is a case where a bunch of cops were looking out for each other. Oh, pause. I completely <laughs> forgot to include this. So, um, Ian Diaz has connections with law enforcement. Oh, um, gosh. He, yeah, he's very um, close to law enforcement. And so, it definitely 
seems like there's not any real proof of it. If there is, it's hidden. Yeah. Seems like people were just having his back. I'm not surprised. And I, I mean, you could conclude that potentially what he told the police, there was more to it about him and they just were like, let's just go for Angela. Yep. So nothing. Angela has Angela said anything after she was like, not that I saw. That's crazy. Not that I saw. I mean, she's not pointing the finger at Ian. I don't yeah. think. I think it's just... And there could be more out there that I didn't see, but mm-hmm. not that I saw. Um, so her quote is, this is the case where a bunch of cops were looking out for each other. I could walk away and say my life is effed. It's over. Who cares anymore? But I want to take a stand, and it's more than just for me. I don't ever want this to happen to anyone else. That's so sad. Yeah. Okay, imagine how terrifying it was if you literally, like... Started dating someone, got engaged to them, broke up, and then, like, years later, this randomly happened to you. Mm -hmm. That's so sad. But also, it's a situation of you're doing everything right, you're not doing anything wrong, and somebody's framing you for something, and your only way to prove it is, like, your technology that they took from you. And they took this technology, my biggest problem with this case, we're going to take your technology, the proof that you're innocent is on that, but clearly they didn't research the technology or look into that or they would know i mean the evidence was in their hands of her being innocent like they would see that she's you know reporting situations of hey i didn't create this account with craigslist i didn't do this i didn't do that so it was so easy and they just see the thing that bothers me is that like there are police officers but then there are detectives Mm -hmm. your job as a detective is to see the fine details it's to catch the little like Wait a second. Like, that's your job. Yes. And I fully understand that it's easy to pick it apart from the outside. And yeah. Be like, oh, and I also understand that their caseload is way for sure. too much. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, they are juggling so much where I feel like that's really why things fall through the cracks most of the time. Yep. Um, and I don't necessarily fault them for that because they'll get 50 more cases while they're working on 10. And it's, oh, yeah. I, I, it's very overwhelming. Um, and I think that they would be better they would serve people better if there was more of them and if, oh for sure but in this case it just seemed like yep the the podcast that i was telling you about in the beginning mm-hmm. paper ghosts the the everything happened with the girls years ago but there's a new detective that is like helping this guy that's mm-hmm. doing the podcast and he said the only reason why i came acro- across like the story of this one specific girl that he was looking into is because he's a detective and the place, the police, wherever it's called that they work at, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a normal office, but his boss told him that when they're done doing any open cases and they don't really have anything to work on, you have to grab a closed case that didn't have like an ending to it and like look into that. Like that's your like when you're done like extra work and so can you imagine all the detectives that have are so much work that they're never going to go into the things that were closed but didn't have like a but that's result better than that's better than most people 100 percent. but i can imagine how many if that if if it is a rule in many places i can imagine how many people just never get to that yeah even if they want to exactly because so they just can't yeah it's crazy and I mean, the biggest atrocity is the evidence that's either thrown away, destroyed, misplaced, and it's especially like, nowadays, like with the technology we have, that's oh, not yeah. a hard tracing. I feel like I don't know how to do it because I'm not like a hacker or anything. But like, I feel like you have the resources to like well, they're track stored. down the the evidence, and that's I mean, Golden State Killer's prime example yeah. of stored information that was just True. set there. It wasn't lost, but nobody was looking into it. 
so crazy. And you had people that wanted to solve this that went and got it and started working on it. And so it's getting better, I think. Yeah. I definitely know communication between districts is getting better. Yeah. Which back in Golden State time, they didn't communicate at all, which is probably why it was a hundred percent. Because then if you have a detective somewhere and then they're like, Well, it happened here and they don't have any jurisdiction mm-hmm. of like well, I can come and like It's not help. even it's not even jurisdiction, it's ego of I want us oh, to yeah. solve this. Yep. I'm not gonna communicate with you because I don't want you to be the one to solve it. Yep. Which is Insane. The politics of that when you're talking about people dying. I know. The urgency of solving the case and you're more worried about your district. Your, yeah. That's crazy. I could talk about that case forever. Just be careful, boys and girls, who you date <sighs> and who you careful. get engaged to. <laughs> and and who you let, where you let your kids play. Yeah, don't. Just don't. Yeah. This, don't trust. This episode is definitely a warning yeah. <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> just stay in your house. <laughs> That's crazy. Don't go anywhere. Don't trust anyone. No, literally do not trust anyone. Like, not even family members. Yikes. I don't trust you at all. No. Which is why we're doing this podcast. No. <laughs> There's no trust no here. No trust. <laughs> Please don't murder me after yeah. this. Yeah. Just kidding, guys. Next next week, if I'm talking about myself, don't worry about it. <laughs> You're like, wasn't there two people? I'll just no, it's just be me. Stories. It's me, been me talking to myself this whole entire yeah. time. <laughs> I'll make the back and forth really oh. easily. Oh, gosh. Imagine if that was an actual thing. That's terrifying. Oh, my gosh. It's so scary. Well, that was a very interesting stories. Stories. Yeah. I was trying to think if I had anything else crazy to say. It has been a little weird around us. There's been yeah shootings and stabbings and weird stuff. I feel like there's some craziness going on. A hundred percent. Yeah. You, on the next episode, need to keep track of the TikTok you mentioned. And oh, I will update. update. I will give you an update. We need updates sure. every single episode. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't lead to anything crazy. I don't think so. I mean, I can't imagine nobody's reported this person. I mean, I can too, but... I'm, my hope is that it's just somebody like really creative that <laughs> has a lot of time on their Which hands. I mean, I've seen some TikToks that it's like very creative that way, but it feels very real. Yeah. But and then they posted other things. There's that nothing like, wrong with that. No. Um, it's the same. It, people make horror movies. Like, yeah. It's the same thing. Um, and I'm sure that he's on someone's radar. Yeah. For sure. There's no way. He's Hopefully not. someone's watching. Uh, <laughs> we'll get back to you guys. All right. Well, cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> There's a reason why we're drinking water only. (laughs) H2O, baby.